There will be um, a huge flood, as we have sung. This morning, I was over in uh, the Checkers building a place where it used to be a beautiful wetland. I still go there every week to feed one rabbit, which I never see. It's a virtual rabbit, but the food goes. And I put the food underneath bricks and things, and it's not monkey kind of food. Not all of it. But I was there this morning observing. They have built an enormous water uh, catching place. They are expecting floods. That used to be a wetland, and now it's just a builder's yard. But there's a huge uh, stone uh, whatever to catch the water. And if that was not in place, that whole builder's yard would be flooded. That is the power that we're expecting. And I think God is saying, make sure that you build those ramparts so that you will collect that water when he comes and it won't just wash you away. Good morning. Pleased to be here. And um, yeah, it was beautiful. Fantastic. The Alpha, there are lots of young people coming. It's a wonderful time when people come when they're asking questions about Jesus. Because, my goodness, we are, how we need Jesus in these last days, Alan. Yeah. And um, it's just, just so wonderful to see them, the, the, what's, what's, what's happening. You can see the change in, in some of the people already uh, when it's coming through. I just want to say, guys, that this word is, is, is the bread of life. We need each one of us, I'll talk to myself first, to eat this word, to chew this word. This word must come into our hearts in a real, real, real way. Please, people, my, my, my beloved, I don't know all the religious terms. I, I just want you to eat this word because we're living in the last days and we need this word and the spirit of God to come into our hearts in a real and powerful way like never before. In the history of mankind, this, this has got to be in our hearts, people. I'm talking to myself. Each one of us, please, guys, don't even come to church without the Bible. This is our word of God. We need it, the word of God, the bread of life in our hearts. In our hearts, guys. Thank you. Bless you. So Alan's asking me to share a little bit from my sojourns in the in, in the bread in in the bible can you is it coming through now okay so i got to put it there okay cool <laughs> um all right so i'm sharing just from my personal walk this isn't something i prepared for the church this is just me sharing from my personal walk um in the lord um and just a few snippets uh here and there from the scriptures so a while back, um, I was struck by David. Just in, in Psalm 92, how he, he wrote about, you know, he, he's saying it's, it's good to, to, praise, to praise the Lord, and in the morning he'll proclaim his love, and in the evening he'll proclaim his faithfulness, and, and he, will, um, he, he will play the harp, and he'll play the lyre, and he'll sing. Um, and... 
and through it, then he'll sing about you know, the mighty works of the Lord. And, and he just, but you get the sense that as he's writing, he's not writing from memory. He's writing from present tense. He's writing from what happened today. And the, um, just the, 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 the immediacy of it. It's almost like he can't help himself. He's, he's, God, you have just been so amazing. I just can't help myself. I have to reach for that harp and I have to play it. I'm just so amazed by what you did this morning that I just got to burst into a song and I'm going to sing today. Not what you did for me 10 years ago when I was with Saul in the tent or something. But today, today, this is just amazing what you did today. And, I thought, and that struck me, well, I, I need to sing not out of memory. I need to sing out of what God has done and what my encounter with God today. And if I... As, as I encounter God today, just the spontaneous thing is this is upwelling, this overflow, this, this, I can't stop it, I can't help myself, I just, I just gotta, I just gotta speak, it, it comes, it just comes bubbling out. And that was what I felt as I was reading Psalm 92. And then there was a particular little phrase that David used in Psalm 92, where, you know, he was talking about, uh, your, your deeds are just amazing and astonishing, and I, and I just can't help myself, I just burst into song, just singing about what you've done in my life. And then he says, how, how great are your works. Okay, he's sung his whole psalms, been about that so far. How profound your thoughts. And that is what arrested me. How profound your thoughts. Now, I got that God was great. I got that God did amazing things. I got that God was, my life was in his hands. This was, I don't know, just something that had missed me. He's got thoughts, and these thoughts are fascinating. And then David used the word profound. Um, as I thought about this and as I just thought about the stories in the Gospels of his interactions as he went around the word, the word riveting came to mind that here we're dealing with a person, Jesus who is riveting he's, he's, he, in terms of a, conversa- a conversation to have a conversation with somebody here is somebody who is absolutely riveting and he's riveting because of how his mind works he is just interesting he thinks in ways that are different to anybody else you talk to and 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 because of that word profound i was led to go and and spend a lot of time in the gospels and i've just since then i've just been going through matthew through to john and then back again and then back again and just going through over and over and over and just and and it's been struck by okay Lord, I, I, want, I want to know what your thoughts are. And so to hear your thoughts, I've got to hear what you're saying. And, um, and he is interesting. He says, uh, it's just one fascinating thing he says after another. It's just like, it's profound. It's shocking. It's startling. It's not what you would expect. I mean, just to throw out one. So he rebukes the disciple, he rebukes the Pharisees. For wanting to, to be greeted with respect in the marketplaces. Is that a bad thing, Jesus? To be wanted to be greeted with respect? Is that bad? He says, no, it's not bad. It's wicked. It's evil. It's like, wow. Really? So how many of us have seen it as, as something to be aspired to, to aspire to be respected in the community? And Jesus said, that's wicked. Bad. Nasty. Horrible. Like, okay, whoa, let me think about that. I've got to get my mind around that one because I'm having to reorientate my thinking here. 
And he just, it just, it just goes on. One just litany. And his disciples, it's not just me reading. I mean, his disciples were clearly very confused by a lot of things that he said. Um, and, and he just kept on saying things that you would not expect him to say. And so, yeah, so I started, um, I learned for about, the, I think it was the 923rd time that manna is best served fresh. Um, and that I really need to make time in the day to have conversations with Jesus. And so I set aside, and my, my people's routine is different, so it worked for me just to, to go and do my morning swim, half past five, and then afterwards, just as I sit down for breakfast, say, all right, Lord, this is your time. And it's amazing how that time, the moment you declare it to be the Lord's time, how it gets attacked. And attacked in the sense of people want to see you, and that's the only time they can see you. And these are important things that they want to talk to you about and significant things. And you really have to be quite clear. No, no, you can see me, but not that time. That time was taken. And uh, that's, so that was one thing I had to learn was I, I had to guard that time. That is my time with the Lord. That's my conversation with Jesus. And yeah, I'm, I'm in business. And a lot of stuff happens before 9 o'clock in the morning, except not with me. Uh, no meetings before 9. And that, uh, my, a lot of my meetings were before 9. And I, just, I had to change my diary and say, I am meeting with Jesus. I'm having a conversation with Jesus. And I want to get to know this person that is so riveting that when he's at the table, he's just, the, your eyes just go to him because he, he is riveting. So I want, I want to, so I get that you are, you're big, but you're, 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 you're riveting. It's your thoughts. So I want conversations with you. I'm not, I'm not, I don't want to go on about what you do. I want to, I want to just have conversations with Jesus. And so, yeah. That's, that's what I've been doing. And somewhere along the way, and, 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 and John says, you know, our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. And you personalize that. My fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. And just throwing a bit of David and Paul. My fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ, and with the Holy Spirit and with the saints who are in the land. And that is such a powerful thing, and it's become a bit of a mantra. And I say to myself over and over and over and over again, my fellowship is with the Father and with the Son, Jesus Christ, and with the Holy Spirit and with the saints who are in the land. And in this fellowship, he speaks. And so as I'm going through the scriptures, okay, just one little snippet, I'm reading about Jesus making his way to Jerusalem for the last time. He, he's trying to convince his disciples that he really has to die now, and they're not, they don't even understand what he's talking about. Um, and he's making his way to Jerusalem, and he comes to the town of Jericho, and as he's approaching Jericho, there's um, crowds and around him, and they're all excited, Messiah, um, the king, um, and they, they, there's just mass excitement and the crowds are going through, and there's a, a blind beggar on the side of the road, name of Bartimaeus, Luke, Mark. And, um, and Bartimaeus asks the crowd, well, who's going by? Some, some, something big is going down here. What's happening? And they say, no, it's Jesus. Jesus of Nazareth is, just, is, is going by. And when he hears that, he starts yelling. So I'm, I'm sitting in the mug and bean in Westville after my swim in the morning, and I'm reading how... Um, uh, Bartimaeus starts yelling out um, to, to try and attract Jesus' attention, and they just try and hush him because um, he's on his way to Jerusalem, and there's a massive crowds around him, and so he just yells louder and louder, and he starts yelling, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me, Jesus, except I'm not like this, like, like yelling. Um, I, 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 <laughs> 
Shush, keep quiet, please. It's what they were saying to Bartimaeus. <laughs> and um, and the, the more they tried to keep him quiet, they, they couldn't keep him quiet. And eventually Jesus stops. And he says, bring him to me. And I'm reading how they... How when Bartimaeus heard that, he, he, he leapt to his feet and he threw his cloak off. And, he, and then he was brought to Jesus. And Jesus asked him a question that got my attention. Jesus asked him, what do you want me to do for you? Now that's an interesting question. What do you want me to do for you? And as I'm sitting there, thinking about this in the mug and bean in Westville I'm aware of the presence of the Lord sitting at the table and I feel the burning eyes of Jesus on me I'm no longer reading the scriptures Jesus is asking me a question what do you want me to do for you and I'll just put that out there for you what's your answer to that question what do you want him to do for you now. Bartimaeus was absolutely clear about the question and the answer to the question. And I had to ask myself, I'm not sure that I'm clear. And, I, and, and so it took me, I wasn't as quick as Bartimaeus. I had to think about that a bit. I was struck by, what do I want from Jesus? What do you want me to do for you? And so, yeah, it, it took me back um, earlier in, in, in the story. Uh, Jesus said, uh, if you um, seek, you will find. So he had asked me back then, what are you seeking? What are you looking for? And I had to answer him back then, and that was a different conversation, and I answered that one. And he said, um, ask, and you'll receive. What are you asking for? And knock, and the door will be open. What, what door are you knocking on? So now it was coming, now, and, and that led me on a whole... Uh, story, which is not today's story. Um, and then now today it was, what do you want me to do for you? And because of the journey that I've been on, now this is my story, so you might have answered, you've got to answer your que- that question in a way that's relevant to you. Um, my answer was, teach me righteousness. I've been reading about, you, talk, you keep on going on and on and on about this kingdom, this kingdom, this kingdom of God, which is not of this world. You can't see it. No, um, it's among you, but you can't see it. Uh, and, and, and he says, look, and he's talked about the, 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 the seeds sowed along the path and, and some odd, you know, different things happen to them and, and, and how the seed is choked by the, the worries and the pleasures of this world. And, and he's, he's, he said that you know, life does not consist in the abundance of your possessions. He said that you can't serve money and God. Make up your mind which it is that you're going to serve. Uh, he says to the rich young man, um, if you... If you want to do, if you, you know, you've kept all the commandments, you do lack one thing. Just sell everything you got. Take, don't put that in the bank. Take what you get from what's selling everything you got and give it to the poor and then come follow me. Um, you, 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 seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. So I want to know about this righteousness. And so I'm praying as we're working through this. And now this has been the, the recent journey that I've, that I've been on about the kingdom of God and his righteousness. So our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. May your kingdom come. May you will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And so I'm praying, may your kingdom come. May you all be done in my life, in my home, 
where I have influence, where I go in my work. May your kingdom come. May your will be done in heaven. And because I'm asking you to teach me righteousness, I'm saying, Lord, open my eyes, open my ears, open my mind, help my spirit to discern righteousness. Help me to feel righteousness. Help me to just, what is righteousness? It's, uh, I did a search. I put it in an in in uh, electronic version of the Bible. Just put righteousness in. It's just, it's everywhere. I mean, the scriptures are just like, wow, this thing is everywhere. It's actually what it's all about. It's righteousness. What is righteousness? What does it look like? What does it taste like? What does it feel like? What is, what's the experience of righteousness? So I don't want an analytical academic analysis. I want to experientially feel it and sense it and know it. I want to marinate in it. And so open my eyes, Lord, to see righteousness. Open, yeah, okay. So he takes me straight to Haggai. And, and, and he reminded me, he took me to Haggai some years ago. And I knew he was speaking to me, but I, it was one of those ones. It just went over my head, and I knew it had gone over my head. So now he says, okay, now we can go back and look at Haggai again. And Haggai, God says, you've, you've been robbing me. How have we robbed you? Yeah, you guys are living in nice houses, and my temple is in a ruin. And so it's time to build the temple. I knew immediately what he was saying in my situation. What he was saying to me was you've been so focused by trying to pay bills in your business, trying to keep the business running. You, you have meetings about cash flows. You have meetings about how we're going to grow sales. You have meetings about how we're going to make what we're selling. You have meetings about the systems and processes. You have meetings about the marketing strategies and the communication strategies. You have meetings and meetings and meetings and meetings and meetings. And yes, there's an awareness that this is supporting a whole community of people, and, and without this, there's a whole bunch of people that would be in serious trouble. But that's not good enough. You are neglecting the temple. And I'm going, in what way am I neglecting the temple? I have been called, okay, this is my story. Sorry. Um, I've been called to serve the poor. He said to me, you're so busy doing all that stuff. And I, I know that you, you need to sell things, and I know you need to make things, and I know you need to deliver things, and I know that there's IT, and there's all kinds of things that have to happen for all that stuff to happen. But you are neglecting my call in your life, which is, to, which is the poor. But I'm creating work for the poor. Talk to the poor. And so immediately, I had to change my diary. And I set aside three meetings a week, to meet with my poor, the people, the poor that I have access to, the poor, the poor people that I work with. And it's, it's changed. It's just changed my experience of work. As I'm having one-on-one meeting with the, with, the, with, the, with the poorest people, with the cleaners and the security people and the gardeners and the packers, and I'm wanting to know, what's your name? Your mom and dad, where do they come from? Tell me about your circumstances. How did you come up to be working here? What's it like working here? What are your hopes? What, what do you want in five years' time, ten years' time? What are your hopes for your children? And then, quid pro quo, let me tell you my story. I'll tell you where I came from. And they, they, just as I'm fascinated by their story, they're actually quite fascinated by, 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 by my story as, as well. It just meets human to human. And I can feel the Lord saying that's righteousness. That's the kingdom. That's the kingdom. And 
So I've been on this journey. So I take, go to Isaiah 32, if you can put Isaiah 32 up there. Um, yeah, through this. So I'm, I mean, obviously, this is over now a number of, of mug and bean breakfasts. And, and on the days I don't go to mug and bean, I, I, I set aside the first hour at home uh, to my, in my study. And uh, we go through. So Isaiah 32. So uh, through, those, through these conversations with Jesus... And, and I, I, my first encouragement simply is, my testimony is, this fellowship, my fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ, and with the Holy Spirit, and with the saints in the land. It's real. It really is. He sits at your table and He talks to you. Proverbs says He's shouting. He's trying to catch your attention. You don't have to try and winkle Him out of a corner somewhere. He's not shy. He's not hiding. He, it's very real. You just got to make time. And yes, even though I've made the time, and then I want to read the, I want to read my SMSs, and I want to read WhatsApp, and then I want to read my email, and then I want to read the news, and then I have to say, "Mind you, you're going to open that Bible," and I have to discipline myself. And there's a discipline that comes with it. But then I make that time, and it's an appointment with Jesus, and I meet with Him, and He talks to me, and and so the this thing about righteousness. Um, yeah, it's, I'm going to read a whole bunch of scriptures. Can you put like one to eight on there? It's, I don't know if it's going to make it too small. Um, can you do that? Can you read that? Okay. So let's read it together. So, see, a king will reign in righteousness. And, yeah, sorry, I'll, I'm going to say read it. Just follow me. I'll read it, and, and then you can just follow it as, as, as I read it. See, a king will reign in righteousness, and rulers will rule with justice. Each man will be like a shelter from the wind and a refuge from the storm, like streams of water in the desert and the shadow of a great rock in a thirsty land. Then the eyes of those who see will no longer be closed, and the ears of those who hear will listen. The mind of the rash will no one understand. Now think of the... Uh, we're sitting in South Africa today, eh? This scripture is shouting at me. I don't know if it's shouting at you as you read this. Uh, Then the eyes of those who see will no longer be closed, and the ears of those who hear will listen. The mind of the rash will no one understand, and the stammering tongue will be fluent and clear. No longer, South Africa, will the fool be called noble, nor the scoundrel be highly respected. For the fool speaks folly, his mind is busy with evil, he practices ungodliness and spreads error concerning the Lord. The hungry he leaves empty and from the thirsty he withholds water. The scoundrel's methods are wicked. He makes up evil schemes to destroy the poor with lies, even when the plea of the needy is just. But the noble man makes noble plans and by noble deeds he stands. And so the Lord is saying to me, Paul, you see right there at the start, a king will reign in righteousness, King Jesus, and rulers will rule with justice. Paul, you, you see I called out a holy nation, a kingdom of priests, kingdom, kingdom, a nation of kings, a nation of priests, kingdom. You're one of them, Paul. You're in there. That's, that, that section there is called ruler. Uh, see, a king, Jesus, will reign in righteousness and rulers will rule with justice. Righteousness and justice, wherever you see them, they go hand in hand. Where you see righteousness, you see the word justice. Righteousness and justice are the foundation of his throne. 90, Psalm 97, and all over the place. Um, so, rulers will rule with justice. Paul, rule with justice. Where you are, rule with justice. 
Okay, lots of conversations with Jesus. Our Father in heaven. I am seated with Christ in heaven. Paul, here are the keys to the kingdom. Rule with me from a place called heaven. Command. Prophesy, son of man. Prophesy. Speak over your circumstances. Speak over your home. Speak over your family. Speak over your work. Rule, son of man. Rule in Jesus' name. So speak. Rule. Each man, Paul, I'm calling you to be a shelter from the wind and a refuge from the storm for your people. There's a mayhem happening out there. There's a storm happening out there. I don't know if you know that. There's a storm happening out there. There's mayhem happening out there. You are called to be a refuge from the storm, a shelter from the wind. You are called to be a stream of water in the desert and the shadow of a great rock in a thirsty land. What a picture. Then you do that. And then the eyes of those affected will no longer be closed. They will start seeing truth. They will stop respecting fools. They will stop hero-worshipping scoundrels because they have tasted and seen righteousness and justice being played out where they are. And it is different to the world around us. It looks different. It feels different. It's completely different. As I have written down, I've just taken what the Lord has done and sent me on a mission, and, I've, uh, and, uh, and I write these documents down, and, uh, I, I, and uh, I confess to people, you, okay, uh, you thought you were coming to do some marketing or to some manufacturing or to do some, some selling. Actually, what you're coming out to do is to lay down your life as a sacrifice and give it for the poor. Um, and so I write down and, uh, all these documents, and people read this stuff. They don't know they're reading the scriptures. They think they're reading a document about work. Um, they're amazed. They, 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 we have conversations like, as in, this is very noble, but can a business work like this? Yes, a business can work like this. A business can work like this. Absolutely, a business can work like this. Rulers can rule with justice. No longer will the fool be called noble. And as the Lord, because he's having conversations with me, he's having conversations with each one. And so he's calling up an army of rulers. And as each one of us is, are taking ownership and rulership, and that doesn't mean to go out there in the physical realm and fight. It means staying, taking your, your place on the throne and the kingdom in, 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 in the throne room and commanding, you've got the keys to the kingdom. That means you can bind. That means you can loose. That means you can prophesy. And you're doing so not out of pleading for, for, for a God to move his hand. You, he says, I'm giving you the keys. Speak with authority, you're a ruler. Use, your, use the throne room. And then, having done so on earth, you go out and enact it. And as we do so, uh, we are the salt and the light in the community. And the community progressively will stop respecting fools. It will stop respecting scoundrels. And it's easy to see how we can impact upon a whole community. Um, Isaiah chapter uh, 11. Let's just do the first eight verses. And so, as I'm, that was one breakfast, another breakfast. Um, now I'm jumping around Isaiah now because Isaiah's onto something and I'm, following, I'm trying to follow Isaiah. Um, 
And so Isaiah 11, a shoot will come up from the stump of Jesse. From his roots, a branch will bear fruit. The spirit of the Lord will rest on him, the spirit of wisdom and of understanding, the spirit of counsel and of power, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. Now, again, through these conversations, Paul, I'm talking about you here. You are in him. When, when you say my fellowship is with the Father and with the Son, Jesus Christ, and with the Holy Spirit, the Father is in me. Jesus is in me. The Holy Spirit is in me. And I am in him. In him, the Spirit of the Lord will rest on me. The Spirit of wisdom and of understanding. The Spirit of counsel and of power. The Spirit of knowledge and of the fear of the Lord. And he will delight in the fear of the Lord. Clearly he's talking here about Jesus. But in Jesus... That's, he's also talking about us. That's how we are to work. We will delight in the fear of the Lord. We will not judge by what we see with our eyes or decide by what we hear with our ears, but with righteousness we will judge the needy. With justice we will make decisions for the poor of the earth. And as we speak, he is watching over his word to perform it to see that it does that for which it was sent. And so... I speak, he speaks, his power is released. We will judge by what we, not what we see with our eyes or by what we hear with our ears. But with righteousness, we will judge the needy. With justice, we will make decisions for the poor of the earth. And there will be no violence in the kingdom. I'm still on this journey, but... It's leading me to go to work to establish the kingdom of righteousness at work. I'm not going to work to drive sales up. I'm trusting, I'm taking the Lord at his word that he said, he'll take care of that. And my focus has changed. And my enrichment of just what I'm doing has changed. It's just, to deal in righteousness is just an astonishing thing. It's just when you as you start unpacking righteousness and the experience of righteousness and the acts of righteousness, the, the st- your standing your, in righteousness, you, you, your, your acts of righteousness, your thoughts of righteousness. And, and as you start not just saying, thank you, Lord, that you have shown grace and mercy to me, but as you show grace and mercy to those around. Somebody got fired because they should have been fired. I say to them, I will overrule that on one condition, that you'll spend eight meetings with me. Because I want to know why you did what you did. Because part of the appeal process went through that these were actually good people. But yet they did something that they should have been fired for. And they were fired. I was handing the appeal. And so just through my walk with the Lord, I was just led, okay, you should have been fired. We managed to find some excuse not to fire them in terms of something had happened once in the past, and we used it. Okay, because of what happened in the past, we won't fire. Um, but on the condition that you come and spend eight hours with me, eight different sessions, and we went through the just on a very personal level, mercy, unmerited favor. Unmerited mercy. Not only are we the beneficiaries of unmerited mercy and unmerited favor, we are to extend freely we have received, freely give. Let us extend mercy. Let us extend grace to those around us. Injustice, not neglecting justice. Truth, 
not trying to hide from the truth. And yeah, the Holy Spirit's got to help us here. We've got to have the wisdom of Solomon because these things aren't easy. But we are making decisions for the poor. And so my walk and the Lord goes on. Next installment, another time. Thank you. We're going to come to the table now. We're going to come to the table of mercy and grace. The gospel is such good news. The gospel says that Jesus came and died and took us from where? From the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of his light, into the kingdom of his son, into a kingdom of love, into a kingdom of righteousness. 2 Corinthians 5 verse 21 says, For our sake he made him to be sin, who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. We are called to seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And in our, in our own self, we, we, are, we are not that. And that is the good news of the table. The good news of the table says he became sin for us, that we might become his righteousness. That we might become the righteousness of God. Isn't that an amazing statement? That you and I become the righteousness of God. You and I are righteous because of the finished work on the cross. We are declared holy, blameless and without reproach. That's what the scripture says about you today. We started off singing a song about it as being well with my soul. It's well because of what Jesus has done. We have a joy in our hearts because of the finished work on the cross. Because we have a Savior who loves you. Who loves you. And so we come to the table. We come to the table in the context of life. Of storms all around us as we sang in that song. Of waiting for twins to be born. Of uh, struggles at work. Of all of that stuff. And we can rejoice and we can sing. It is well. It is well with my soul. It is well because. Jesus has done it for you and has done it for me. Outside of Jesus, we are insignificant. But in Jesus, we are significant. We are rulers, co-heirs. We, we walk with Him and walk in Him. And we make a difference to those that we are called to, whether it's the poor, and we are all called to the poor. Whether it's to your own family, to be ministering into your own family. That's where you and I are called. And so I just rejoice in the good news of the gospel today. In 2 Corinthians 5 verse 17, it says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come. We've just heard Paul's story and the scriptures and 
And just imagine the disciples, those two disciples on the road to Emmaus. And Jesus is walking along with them and they're chatting and they t- he's giving them the most wonderful impromptu Bible study that has ever been given in the whole of history. And their hearts burned within, within them, they said at the end. Because they were feeding on the word, they were feeding on, on Jesus who is the word. They were feeding on the, on, the, on, the, on the written word, on the spoken word. They were feeding on it. And that's what you and I need to do. That was Neil's cry at the beginning. Feed on the word, chew on the word. Jesus is the word. Now we're coming to feed on him, eat and drink of his body and his blood. That's what we're coming to. And the most amazing thing happened to the disciples, those two disciples, is when they took the bread and the blood, when they broke bread together, what happened? Their eyes were opened. They had a revelation of Jesus. So I'm praying the word has been sung, the word has been preached, the word has been declared, there's been word in Scripture I'm praying that for us today. That even as you're coming up to the table, one of the questions Jesus is asking, what do you want me to do for you? Come with that question. And maybe you're going to have to ponder it over in the week. Go back to that story, blind Bartimaeus. What do you have? What do you want me to do for you? That's the Jesus. Jesus is for us. And this table is wonderful. So come to the table, come to the table of mercy. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you that on the night you were betrayed, you took the bread, your, the bread and you broke it. And you said, this is my body broken for you. You took the cup and said, this is my blood shed for you for the forgiveness of sins. We thank you, Lord, for the new covenant the new covenant that you have given us and that you have taken out this heart of stone and you've given us a heart of flesh, a heart which loves, a heart which can love the poor, a heart which can operate in righteousness and justice. And so we thank you. Come and feed. Come and feast today. Come and eat on the blood and the body of Jesus. Amen. Please come. Can I ask... My house church to come forward.